Thanks for listening to the Northwest Yearly Meeting Podcast. We hope that you find the conversations to be helpful and enlightening as you get to hear from those involved in the Evangelical Friends Movement. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss when a new episode comes out. Now, enjoy the episode. All right. Uh Good. I was going to say good morning, but I guess you could really be listening to this whenever you want. It's not morning right now when we're recording, but welcome to the Northwest Yearly Meeting Podcast. So I don't know why I was inclined to say good morning there. It's three in the afternoon. Well, to, to be fair, we typically record in the morning. We do. We do. So so I think that that's just probably, yeah. Behind fair. the secrets, it's, it's about like two o'clock in the afternoon. Yes, exactly. Um, so this is the February episode, and we have a guest here that's going to be joining us very shortly, Jamie Johnson. Some of you may or may not know him, but uh, we're looking forward to that. But before we bring him in here, I just wanted to give a announcement and a plug really quickly. Uh, at the end of this year, in December, after Christmas, so I know it's very far away from now, but there is a Evangelical Friends Conference called Friends Summit, which is geared towards like older high school and college-aged students and it is internet well it's national i guess there are some people who are there that may be from international but it's mainly a national evangelical friends conference so people from you know southwest yearly meeting mid-america yearly meeting ohio all these kind of places come together um, and they, they do it once every four years. So it's happened three times up until this point, once in 2010, once in 2014, once in 2018. And then technically the next one would have been in December of 2022, but with COVID and everything, they, they pushed it back one year. So the fourth uh, Friends Summit will be in December 2023 and you can go to www.friendsummit.com and they have all the information on there um, it's going to be in houston texas staying at a hotel and there will be speakers and workshops from different people across you know there will be people from northwest yearly meeting who are leading some workshops and classes and worship but there will also be people as i mentioned from mid-america or ohio which is eastern region and Alaska yearly meeting, Southwest, which is like California and Nevada. So it's really interesting. Uh, you get to meet people from other yearly meetings and hear from other people from other yearly meetings. And it's really like the only one of the only, if not the only like national friends gathering um, that happens. So whether you are a young adult yourself, this, you know, if you're in that age range of like 17 to 25, like consider attending it as an attendee but if you're a little older and you're like man that sounds cool um, one thing that they like to do is to have like every young adult that comes like have a sponsor or a mentor from their local church so if you're listening to this and you're like 40 years old and you're like dang I want to go to that well maybe then you can be that mentor person you can find a young adult from your church and say hey I heard about this would you would you want to go with this go to this with me um, and then you guys make the trip and travel together and have that time. Oh, now, Jacob, you're a youth pastor, correct? Yes. Now, have you ever been? I have been. I went as an attendee in 2010, all the way back then. Uh, that one was in, in the Denver or the Colorado Springs area. Uh, I was a young adult at that point. And then I went 
last time they had it in 2018 as the youth pastor. And we took like, uh, we took four youth and young adults from our church and it was a good time. So I've been to two out of the three. I would encourage it. It's a great time. There you go. Yeah. I mean, a little more behind the scenes thing. I am helping somewhat plan it. So I do have some vested interest, I guess, there, but <laughs> full disclosure, full disclosure yeah. here. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, it, it, I think it says something that you attended and are a part of it and you're excited about it. So for sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, um, if that's all we got here, I'm going to uh, bring our guest in here and we can get started talking with Jamie Johnson who I know, and I don't think Austin does. I met, I met, I met him once. So we'll get some introductions here. I have kind of an interesting connection to Jamie. Hey, guys. Hey, there he is. How's it going? Good, how are you? Pretty good. Good. Thanks for joining us here. Of course. Thank Taking time out of your busy day. Has, have, so you're at George Fox. Has, have classes resumed yet for the... No, they start on Monday, the night. Okay, okay. Nice. Yeah. Well, I uh, we'll just get right into it here. Um, I've got, you know, we sent you some questions. We got some questions we want to chat with. I was just saying, I know you, kind of. And, you know, Austin said he's met you once, maybe at, at yearly meeting this last year. So um, I guess the first question is, would you just describe yourself, who you are, what your role is within Northwest Yearly Meeting, things like that? Sure, yeah. Um, my name's Jamie Johnson. I had, grew up in the Northwest Yearly Meeting, actually. Um, my family moved here when I was five years old, uh, and we started attending Newburgh Friends at that point, and uh, I did all of my growing up in Newburgh through high school, went to George Fox, uh, and then left for a little while to do graduate school and some other things, and then came back in 2009. And I am a recorded minister in the Northwest Yearly Meeting. I serve here at George Fox as Dean for Spiritual Life uh, and University Pastor. And uh, I am married to Aaron. We have three kids who are uh, all teenagers, 18, 16, and almost 14 years old. And uh, yeah, I think my, my story is deeply intertwined with the yearly meeting, with George Fox, with uh, folks who are serving in lots of different ways throughout, throughout the yearly meeting, uh, particularly in the Northwest. Yeah, I was I was just saying too. I was like, my my quote unquote connection to you, I guess, is that your uncle mm -hmm. David uh, is the pastor at the church that I grew up in 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 Friendswood, Texas. So like That's when right, I was yeah. Yeah. yeah when I was in fourth grade is when they moved down there. Um, I guess. I don't know if they were, I know he spent some time in the Northwest a little bit, but I don't know if that's Boise. where he directly came from prior to that. I know he was also in Indiana a little bit. But yeah. 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 So uh, I was actually just down there for Christmas, uh, went to Christmas Eve service there. So I saw David and Rochelle and all that. Yeah. 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 We have ties in mid America as well. My, my dad grew up in Haviland. My grandpa taught at what was Friends Bible College, now is Barkley. Uh, that's where my mom and dad met at, at Friends Bible College. 
and uh, and yeah, my uncle and and others in my dad's family are connected to various French churches throughout Mid America, mostly in Kansas, but Dave and Rochelle in Houston. Mm-hmm. So you've got the the friends connection. I do. I'm I uh, I'm a third generation friend. Both my grandparents on both sides, my mom and my dad. My my grandparents on my mom's side were heavily involved in Greenleaf French Church, the academy there. Um, and so if you, you talk about like the three um, you know, the three like educational institutions that, that are um, basically educate every you know lifelong Quaker, at least many of them, uh, Barclay. Greenleaf Academy and George Fox University. I've got connections to all three of them. <laughs> Dang. So you you mentioned that you're a recorded pastor in Northwest Healing Media, in which you just like officially got recorded this past summer uh, at the annual sessions. So I just was wondering if you could give a little input on what that process is like. I mean, I know I, I'm not recorded. I don't know if Austin, if you are. So I I vaguely know what the process entails a little bit here but um what was that like for you and and I guess what maybe led you to do that yeah actually it was a really long process for me uh, part of it actually the main reason for it was because for a while they suspended recordings uh while things were happening within the yearly meeting uh they they just didn't do any so I had started the process before that and then during uh during those I think what was about maybe two years, uh, maybe three, I'm not entirely sure on the the length of that time, nothing was happening. And so I was basically um, just put on hold as were some other folks. Um, And the process has changed. So I, the process that I started with is different than the one that is used now. So I'll talk about what mine was like, but I think anyone who would start it now would experience something a little bit differently. Um, uh, For me, it was a really good opportunity to have people both uh, walk alongside of me, um, encourage me, uh, provide things for me to, there's like reading, a reading list that I had to do. There uh, were conversations, mentoring relationships that were a part of that. Um, Some theological reflection, um, kind of essay questions maybe um they weren't quite essay length but um but certainly having to address different theological topics uh to ensure alignment with yearly meeting and then uh towards the end of it there's a psychological evaluation that that all uh people going through recording do with an independent uh psychologist um and uh i think it typically takes about two to three years, but mine, because of the, the, the hiatus in the middle of it, I think mine took six years, maybe. Um, in fact, I had, um, I had almost given up like that anything would happen, mostly because I thought I would have just have to start all over again mm-hmm. with a new process. And, um, and I wasn't sure how much time or energy I had for all of that. But, um, but it ended up that all of the things that I had done before uh, had worked counted towards the requirements that need to be done. And, and after they got moving again with the uh, recording process, it was a pretty, it was a pretty quick thing. And I think it was, uh, it was valuable. Like there were things I learned about myself, uh, the psychological evaluation, the conversations you have 
there's some like tests that you have to take as well um, that that provide good that in, in essence are like a mirror that get held up it gets held up to you to understand more of of who you are and why you do the things that you do and so that was all really helpful you know um, getting to think through theological issues to talk with people about them is can be like uh, a little challenging but also is good to continue to to think about why do I believe, what do I believe, those kinds of things. So I would encourage anyone who hasn't uh, feels like they have a calling into ministry to like at least kick the tires on, on it because it is something that is really valuable and it you know it provides a credential at the end. But that's not the main reason for doing it. The main reason for doing it is that self knowledge, that um, uh, the sense of like uh, the calling that you've experienced is one that other people can affirm um, and and it gives. I mean, certainly some confidence, but I think more importantly, it just provides a broader community of people who care about you, who are invested in you. And, and that's a good thing. Hmm. That kind of leads me to kind of just a follow-up question of recording as a process of, you know, discerning your calling mm-hmm. in, a, in a sense, just kind of to kind of thresh out what you, what you're discerning and in community and, just kind of a follow-up question to you is like, what during that process did you discern your calling to be in ministry and specifically? Yeah, I, I think uh, when I first started the process, again, you know, years and years ago, I actually didn't feel a calling into pastoral ministry. Um, I felt, I had felt a calling for a long time into working in a Christian college context. Um, I you know, I, I went and did seminary, I did a PhD, I had intended to be a professor um, and, you know, step into that line of ministry. But um, every, every time there was an opportunity for, you know, furthering that journey, uh, we just didn't feel released to be able to, to do it. And so um, when I, I was at a crossroads a bit, um, trying to discern like you had mentioned what what was next and I actually I did the good old Quaker thing I convened a clearness committee I pulled together some folks who uh, knew me who cared about me uh, and we we it was actually at Ron Stansel's house um, and with him and a few others we sat around his living room and and they asked me questions I shared and then um, we listened together. And at the end of that, there was a sense of being called into ministry, mostly actually the main, the, the first real leading was a leading to not pursue a faculty role. So it was more of like a, a way closing than it was necessarily a way opening. Um, and so, uh, that, that was really helpful. And then, uh, it just turned out that like, I was already working at George Fox and it just turned out I wasn't working in, in pastoral ministry. Our office is called spiritual life. Right? I wasn't working in the spiritual life office at that point. I was directing the friends leadership program and, and I was enjoying it. Um, but uh, I was also not sure what was going to be next. Uh, but I felt from that clearness committee, a sense of like, just keep doing the thing that's right in front of you. Um, and, and that, that turned into being able to step into to actual pastoral ministry in the George Fox context. Um, so I've never had this like clarion call of like, you're going to be a pastor. It's, it's most <laughs> been 
just trying to be faithful to like the opportunity that is right there in front of me, whatever that might be. And instead of like chasing something like being, being faithful to trust that God's at work in, in the immediate thing. And also God's at work in whatever is going to be in the future, but I can't, you know, I can't dictate what the future holds only, only God can. Yeah. Well, going into that, I'm just kind of curious, like, what it what does it mean to be the university pastor at George Fox? Like, you know, you mentioned not feeling a call towards pastoral ministry mm-hmm. specifically. And, and I don't know, like, one thing that stood out to me during that watching the people in the recording process last summer, I think there was four of you who were being like recorded, three of them were just like what you would expect, like pastors of a local church that, you know, is going to preach on Sunday and do all that kind of stuff. So you were kind of the standout one to me because I was, you know, you're saying like, I'm not the pastor of a church, but I'm getting recorded. So um, I'm just kind of curious what that, what that role of university of pastor at George Fox University looks like. Yeah, I think at one point at yearly meeting last year, somebody joked that I was a pastor of the largest church in in the yearly meeting. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which for sure, uh, I think I heard someone say that you definitely have the largest like youth and young adult congregation. Which yes, that, that is, is for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my congregation is made up of eighteen to twenty one year olds entirely. Um, no, I think uh, we talk about ministry in a college context of ministering to a parade in some ways like we have them we have them for four years um some of them for a little bit less some for a little bit more but for the most part they're here for those four years they they come here for uh for an education obviously but they're also choosing to come most of them are choosing to come here because it's a christian university and um you know part of that entails um they, they are required to go to chapel. So when uh, this past summer, when somebody joked about the largest car, I'm like, it's also the only one in which people are required to go to it, um, <laughs> which creates interesting dynamics, um, certainly. But there's something about working with 18 to 21 year olds, that phase of life where um, they're very very interested in exploring who God is. They're learning about themselves. They, um, they're also like very stressed. Like there's projects and papers and homework and relationships and, um, you know, existential dread for whatever is after college. Are they going to be able to pay off their loans? Like all those kinds of things like rolled into this, um, uh, you know, almost like residential ministry opportunity where we're seeing, we're with our, you know, the other, like we're with our congregants for, you know, a week at a time. We, we see them on the sidewalks. We're eating lunch with them. We are, we're gathering with them for worship a couple of times a week. So it's, it's like a, a really sweet time uh, of, of ministry, but also it's like, it's hard because the, you know, I think 18 to 21 year olds, especially today and this is a good thing although they're still learning how to like exercise it but like they're very opinionated they 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 think they know what they like if it's not um you know if it's not entertaining is not the word i want to use but if it's not keeping their attention and they're quick to move on to something else they um you know they'll uh, they'll wait till the end to make decisions because they want to figure out what their all of their options are in those kinds of things and so there is a sense of they're not in it to like placate. They're not in it to, 
you know, try to curry favor. They really truly are just like, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm going through. You know, I, some of them like really want to wrestle with it and talk. Others are just, you know, bent on, you know, finishing their degree. And, and the gift is that like, no matter where they're at, like we get them in our, in our chapel services, we get them in our, our life groups, we get them in one-on-one conversations and in different ways and, and, and get to spend time with them over the course of nine months. The other thing that's a little bit different about college ministry versus a church ministry is like, we get a sabbatical every year. Like they go home in the summer for three months. We get a rest, recover, study, pray, you know, like think about assess all the things that happened the past year and prepare and plan for the next year. And, and that really truly is, I think for us, a gift, um, you know, that break that is just part of the rhythm that allows us to like restore our own souls to find uh, where we're depleted. Um, you know, think about, think about the work that we're doing that and, and listen for what God is at is up to, but it also allows the students to like, um, I think being in college can just feel a bit, a bit like a pressure cooker. So it gives them an opportunity to like step out of that. And for them also to like reflect, how has God been at work? What about this past year was really hard and why, like, where can I see God in the hard things? Where can I see God and what was good? Um, do I even believe in God? I mean, those kinds of things that mm-hmm. come with being, being this age, going through hard things and thinking about what the future holds. So. Now, how long have you been a university like pastor? Yeah, um, this kind I of role? technically 10, 10 or 11, I think 10 years. It's a little murky because uh, I came to Fox as the director of the Friends Leadership Program. And then I sort of like slowly was invited into ministry work, even though I wasn't officially on the pastoral team here, I think until like 2000 and. 12 or 13 maybe so it's been like you know i've been here 14 years it's been nine or ten as an official university Mm -hmm. now have you seen any like you know changes over in in that time of you know the spiritual challenges or just like the just the, the climate has it has it shifted for you at all has there been any any differences and if you have seen a difference like what are they yeah, um, that's a good question. I think there, you know, like there's some cultural differences that come into play. Like we now have um, every class except for the seniors. Is that true? Yeah, I think have have been have had their education. No, even the seniors now. Like everyone that we're interacting with in some ways had their education interrupted by COVID in a pretty mm-hmm. significant way, right? So um, there's a piece of what they're experiencing now, like the, both the, I think the hard parts of that, but also the things they learned about themselves, the, the resiliency as it came through that there's like more, there's more opportunity for them. It feels like to time investment, like is different now than it, than it used to be. I think like there, there were just less, I would say there are like, were less opportunity, even 10 years ago, less opportunities for students to spend ways for them to spend their time than there than there is now uh part of that has to do with like there's an increased need to work uh work as many hours as possible because mm-hmm. college has gotten so much more expensive um and so they're filling their the cracks of their time with jobs 
Um, whereas even 10 years ago, and especially when I was a student, like it was very rare when I was a student this 20 years ago to have to work any more than like five, maybe 10 hours a week, maybe that's it. Um, and, uh, and it was very, you know, it wasn't very common for that to be the majority experience. But now if a student is working only 10 hours a week, you're like, wow, okay, that's, that's different. Like many of them are working 15, 20, 30, there's students working full-time doing full-time classes and that's the only way that they can afford college. Um, and so mm. I think that's been a part of it. Like there's certainly, there's mo also more pressure that students today face um, to get a degree that's gonna translate to making money uh, once mm. they graduate. And some of it has to do with the cost of college, but some of it has to do with, I think pressures that they feel based on the economy or that their parents are putting on them. Um, that's a little bit different. Um, and so, you know, we've had an increase in students doing like professional, whether it's engineering, nursing, business, um, versus the humanities like English and history and mm -hmm. um, even like Christian ministry, those kinds of things, uh, many fewer students doing that route. But I think like generally speaking, the call, like someone who's 18, 19, 20 years old, like even when I think back to my own experience, like the things that I was wrestling with they're still the same things like the, the mm -hmm. outworking of them is a little bit different. You know, I didn't have constantly in front of me, uh, other people's, you know, at least, uh, what other people were saying their life looked like. I didn't have that. Like the, I knew the people I yeah. were my roommates and I knew the people who were on my floor. Like I knew what their lives looked like, but that constant barrage of, of people through social media that, mm -hmm. um, that creates, uh, oftentimes like unhealthy, perceptions of our own selves uh, I didn't have that you know 10 years ago students didn't have that and I think I think you know particular at least particular to this time compared to maybe 10 years ago um, there there just is even with college students um, a stronger polarization between groups of students um, hmm. whether it's political Sometimes it's theological. It's not as much theological now. It's much. It's more politically motivated now. Hmm. Uh, but, but I sense that more now than you know 10, 10 years ago. Where there, there certainly were students who would be like, yeah, I resonate more with this political party or that political party. But it's not so important to me that I'm going to like sever relationships or those kinds of things. That that happens now. Like there's much. Feels like there's much mm -hmm. more. Um, splintering um you know in group sort of in group connections happening than you know seeking to understand you know across whatever spectrum mm -hmm. you want to talk mm -hmm. about. yeah i mean i think that's the case across the board but like mm -hmm. you you kind of alluded to it or, or hinted at it earlier is like that age group was maybe a lot more vocal and opinionated strongly opinionated one way or the other so yeah but, and sure. i think with, and with college students like this and I, I experienced this as a college student myself, like you just think, you know, so much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and you're, you're learning a lot. And, yeah. and as you're learning a lot, you're like, wow, look at all these things that I'm learning. I feel like I know so much. And, and you're really confident in those things. And then, and then you like step into whatever, you know, life looks like after college, you're like, Oh, I, there's a lot of things I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of things I'm unsure about. Like, how do you, how do you develop relationships when you're not like living with, 
you know, mm-hmm. 1500, 2000 other people your age? Like, how mm-hmm. do you find a church when you're not just showing up the chapel, you know, uh, once or twice a week? How do you, how do you pay bills when, when your parents have been doing that for you, you know, most often? So those kinds of things where, where, yeah, th- these years you feel like, you know, a lot. And I think it's really, it's developmentally appropriate to like develop that confidence. Like, look, I am going to be ready to go out into the world to use these skills that I have, but it creates this sort of false, false, um, you know, sense of confidence where it's like, you, you know, you don't, you don't actually know as much as you think you do. And, and you probably shouldn't be as confident as you think you are. Um, but you can't, you can't say that to someone uh, because it comes <laughs> across your, you know, yourself being arrogant and like, mm-hmm. well, you think, you know, but you don't, I really know. Instead of like, we're all together on this journey of like learning who God is and trying to see how God's at work and, and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to have, you know, a great, hopefully some uh, great moments of really connecting uh, what we do, how we live with how God is at work. And we're, and we're just, you know, we're our strongest when we realize that we need each other instead of trying to convince everyone that we're all right and we don't need anyone. Hmm. Yeah, that's, it's just kind of weird for me. Like I'm 10 years now removed from being in college. Um, I don't know about Austin. I'm guessing probably yep. around the same. It's 10. But like just some of these conversations and some of these things that you're saying, I'm like, wow, I can remember like being back in that moment. And even something you just said, like, when you leave college, how do you make friends? Like, I remember being in that situation, like you're in college, you kind of know in the dorm room and in the dorms, like at any given moment, you could go down to this room and they'll be, you know, so-and-so will be here or, or you could go down to the common area and hang out. And then you graduate and you move away. And that feeling of loneliness, I was like, man, I haven't thought about that specific thing in like such a long time, but yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Okay, so two more questions here. And uh, one, we may have already just touched on a little bit, but like, you know, as you're interacting with college age students a lot, and and you you mentioned you even have a college age uh, mm-hmm. student uh, in your home, or I guess he's not in your home technically now he's at college, but what are some positives that you see with that age group with that generation in regards like specifically to their faith and their relationship with the church? Yeah, um, I think this is going to sound weird saying it, but I think one of the positives is like they they won't put up with things that feel fake, um, and and they're looking for they're looking for things that are real. And real means like it's not always hunky dory. It's not always good stuff. Like their things in life are hard, and if you know, if they are connecting with a faith community that makes everything seem like everything's good, you know, like if, if everything's not good, then you're just not trusting enough. And then, then they're quickly going to be like, yeah, you guys, you know, this isn't the place for me because they, they've gone through, I mean, we all have, but like, think about going through what this generation has gone through when, when we were 16, 15, you know, 70, like it would have been, would have been massive uh, and it would have formed us and really um, really, you know, incredible ways. And so I think that's a gift that they bring to the faith community of, of, and again, it's, it feels weird saying it's a gift, but like knowing when things feel fake, like Mm. that's, I think that's a gift and being able to say like, no, this doesn't feel real. You know, I'm, I'm not going to just go through the motions. Like I'm looking for things that actually reflect 
what life is like and the challenges to go that um i think they care uh they do care about they care about the sunday worship experiencing connecting to all aspects of life that it's not just about a you know a, a sunday morning experience of faith but like the uh, the extension of that through relationships through the ways that we talk to each other through the ways that we live in the world um, which i think is a, an important thing they bring um, and then also i think like they're for the most part like they're not afraid to express doubts that they have um uh, and to say like I mean, if you look at the research like there's a a large percentage in this generation and the younger generation uh people who say they're they don't have faith or they're not religious like but they're super interested in in spirituality they're interested in like connection with god and i think that that desire to like connect with god is something that they have and something that they seek out and also um, something that that they're not finding very easily um and i think when the church uh, when the church says to these young people like uh we really want you here but we don't really care about what you have to say or you know your insight or things like that like in essence like earn your place earn your keep like when you're you know when you're older then you'll be able to to have things to offer to us but says to them like you know who you are and where you're at right now like we want you we want to hear those things we want we want to um give you an opportunity to get plugged in to different places even though you may have you know moments where you're like I'm, I'm not quite sure about this faith thing or or you're struggling on your journey and so uh, I think all of those things are uh, I would say I've encountered with students um, but also like there is this just really sweet desire to worship to um to be connected with one another and I think you know a year and a half two years of isolation in different ways is like made that even stronger we mm -hmm. um you know we just have really we've seen students who are just eager they're eager to worship they're eager to gather to be together and that feels that feels really beautiful yeah i noticed that that last point a lot with young people that i interact with some of them are a little bit younger than than college age but like all the online stuff, all the Zoom stuff, all that that was happening during, you know, 2020 and 2021. Some of it has continued on for certain things just out of convenience or whatever. But I've noticed a real disdain to it from younger people, whereas like maybe some older people are still like, yeah, I'll get on a Zoom call or yeah, yeah, yeah I'll yeah, do yeah. this. Yeah. Young <laughs> people are just like, I want nothing to do with that. Yeah. Like, I'll either meet you and do this in person or or that's it, you know, <laughs> like they want the actual connection. They're, mm -hmm. they're so over the, the online stuff, which, you know, could see like, at, at face value, that kind of seems counterintuitive. Cause it's like, you know, you always hear like young people are just on their phones and they're doing yeah, this, but the digital age. Yeah. yeah but, it, and, and they are, so, you know, that's not to not say that's yep. true, but when it comes to things like that, like doing like I, I've just seen a lot of young people like our church, for example, still does online services. And I've noticed that older people when they're out of town will still tune in on a Sunday, but younger people, if they're gone for whatever reason, no. Yeah. 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 Um, well, on the yeah, flip well, side, I, I just add one more thing to that um, yeah. because one of the things that we noticed after 
uh, after restrictions and things were lifted was that um, college, college students, I don't know if this is just them or if there are others who've experienced it too, but like they, they also don't want to come back out in the evening. Uh, you know, we used to, so we used to do an evening chapel once a week that was pre COVID was like the favorite chapel. I mean, it would be full. People would linger afterwards. It was just like really, really meaningful after COVID any evening thing we do nothing like very few people want to come that like the, the, uh, the pattern they got into of like, okay, you do your things, but then when you go home, you're, you're home. home. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of changed a bit of how we do things. Like we're, mm. we're trying to like nest ourselves more in their day-to-day rhythm than we are saying, come out in the evening uh, to this thing. So. Interesting. Yeah, yeah that is interesting. Um, well, the flip side of that question is, you know, do you, are, are there any like negative things or, or, the way I phrased it was potential roadblocks that you see right. with this generation and uh, their view, I guess, to the church or whatever, not to, not to have this be the bashing hour. Yeah. 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 Well, I think, I mean, part of it, when, when they look at church, they don't necessarily see it as a necessity, which I think there is good to that because they are like wrestling with what is the church even, you know, how can, if it's not, if it's not, um, you know, living in the world in the ways that um, seem to be right, then why does it even matter? But I think the flip side of it is not, you know, there being a lack of desire to like be connected and committed to it, even, even with the blemishes or the things that are happening. So I think that, I think that's one thing, like, and, and I would chalk it up to like, just generally speaking, they're quick to move on from things no matter what it is right if, if something's mm. not working it's like well i'll just move on to the next thing um and and i, I think that that's true with the faith community with churches um mm. i think there's a lot i know there's a lot of information that they get um you know i'm still amazed by how many and it's not a ton but there's still more than i expected of students who are like well, yeah, I regularly, regularly listen to this preacher online who's in, you know, like Florida or this preacher online who's in Texas or in, you know, New York or whatever, like there, there's a lot. And that's just like religious content. There's a lot of other content that they're consuming that, uh, that means there's a lot of voices, a lot of content, and not all of it is consumed with like a, you know, a, an eye towards whether it's right or true or not. And so I think, I think that that is you, you, mostly like if it looks good and it sounds good, then it's probably true versus mm. like there might be some other other, uh, you know, rubrics that I want to use to like measure whether this is true or not. Um, so I think that's one thing. Uh, I think the other is like there's a sense of maybe this is connected with like uh there, there are lots of things that can be true. And so you can just kind of like take the things that we like of certain things that we hear and put them all together. And it becomes this like hodgepodge of beliefs versus something that's rooted in, you know, what is historical or what is mm. uh, been, mm. you know, a part of the Christian narrative, that kind of thing. So. Yeah. I think that's interesting. Once again, going back to that mindset of like, 
where, where I was at that age. And one thing I used to always say, so, and I've told people this, like I went to Barclay, we had to go to chapel twice a week. It was required, like you're mentioning. So I was a captive audience, that kind of stuff, Tuesdays and Thursdays. But like as someone who grew up in the church and was going to the church a lot growing up, um, during my time there, I never attended church on Sunday morning. And my excuse or my claim or whatever was like, I go to church twice a week now. I yeah, have to yeah, go to chapel yeah. twice a week. <laughs> Um, I don't know if you still hear that these days or whatever, but, and, you know, it kind of goes along with that. It's like, sure, I'm going to chapel and I'm hearing from a different speaker twice a week and all that kind of stuff. But it, it was kind of lacking the community aspect and the mm -hmm. different stuff that you get at being a part of a church. It's like church is more than just listening to a pastor. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I think. And I, and I hear people say that today, even some older people, it's like, yeah, I listen to this guy online all the time. And I'm like, okay that's yeah. good like i like yeah. that guy too but <laughs> yeah there's more to it than just listening to the 30 minute sermon yeah absolutely yeah but we tell students often like the chapel is not church yeah no it's not a substitute it you need to view it more as like <clears throat> part of your education than part of your you know this larger uh calling that we have to like be the body of christ even though it still is the body of christ but like we want them to connect with churches and, and as such, we'll like bring in local pastors often to, to do preaching, to connect with students so that they, they're like, Oh yeah, I, I want to go to that church. Yeah. So. Yeah. I do think that there is that, I mean, I went to a Christian college, but like, I did see that, I did see that there was a, a confusion between absorbing, you know, religious content you know, going to going to a chapel service and getting kind of like an information download and being a part of a like actual church community or like two different things. Like church is more than just absorbing content. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's about like living it out with other people who are not like you. Cause like that that's the other thing about church that was when I went when I went to Multnomah, <coughs> you had to like basically go to a church somewhere else. Um it forced you to kind of go outside your own experience and mm -hmm. be, you know, be in community with other people who are, who are different than you. And that's always like such a, you know, an important, I think, element of the faith community is that like, yeah. one of the things that I thought was interesting is when I was in college, it was like, I was surrounded by so many people who were like me, who are like in the same moment and like mm -hmm. the same concerns and realizing like, for the most of you, like, for the most of life that that's kind of weird that you're in a community that's like yeah pretty monolithic yeah 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 even even if that like even if it feels like there's a lot of diversity on some other ways it but you know yes. yeah yeah totally well you even joked and said like you're or you know you said your congregation is exclusively 18 to 21 year olds so it's mm -hmm. like no you know most churches have a wide variety of ages. So yeah. yeah, you know, there's, there's value and importance in having a 21 year old interact with a 60 year old. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. The 21 year old may not always see that or understand why that is, but. Or yeah. flip side, the six year old. Yes. The yeah. year old. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So the last question I had, uh, which we've both kind of alluded to here, Austin and I, neither of us went to George Fox. You know, I went to Barkley. He went to Multnomah. I've just kind of, I've seen different articles and different, I guess, opinions on Christian college specifically. I mean, really college in general, I guess, yeah. but um, 
So, you know, I, I wrote on here, it could go either way, depending on where you read this, but, you know, some articles you see say like Christian colleges are, are failing and dwindling. Some will say they're doing great. And I'm sure the answer is somewhere in the middle. I'm sure some are dwindling and some are doing great. So I guess one question is like specifically, how are things at George Fox? And uh, then beyond that, like, what would you say is the importance of, of Christian college, Christian education? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think probably whenever you talk with people who are employed by a place, they'll try to paint it in a rosy picture, no matter what, <laughs> unless they're wanting to leave or something. Uh, <laughs> um, by all metrics, and when you talk about like enrollment, um, mostly enrollment, but uh, even when you talk about gifts, donations, construction, those kinds of things happening, like Fox is in a good place. Um, We've had increasing enrollment. Um, we've had programs that are growing, but there are also programs that are being cut because they just aren't attracting students. And so I think one of the things, you know, 20 years ago, 30, 40 years ago, if a program wasn't attracting students, it didn't matter. It was like part of the educational experience that like mm -hmm. you would have, you would have classes in, you know, in a, a wide variety of subjects, but it didn't matter if you only had two majors in that program like everyone was being exposed to to the the broad or the breadth of of education so um so i think there's there's good things and there's hard things like um we it feels like we're in a good space we're we're building a new chapel uh it's going to be a beautiful building on campus it should be done uh spring of 24 i think in which we'll be able to host many of our our spiritual formation events um uh, there are new programs being started, particularly graduate level. Um, so it feels like it's in a healthy spot. I think there are challenges for any, any college right now. Um, and, you know, next year we could be privy to those. Like it, it's very volatile right now, the higher education market for sure. Um, but, um, but it feels like George Fox is in a pretty good space in terms of where we're at and i think education in general um, and people are asking the right questions about it like is it worth it um if if i'm going to pay like what is the school going to provide to me um that's going to make you know make it worth it if i'm paying all this money and so a christian education provides the opportunity for formation to happen not just in the field that you're studying but um you know holistically um, thinking about uh, what does it mean to be followers of Christ? What does it what does it look like to be people who are guided by an ethic of love and of service versus an ethic of um, self promotion and um, scarcity? And so, there is a lot of value, especially in a place that is healthy, in a place that has you know opportunity for students to engage uh, across you know many different perspectives, many different opportunities. I think it does provide a really important experience for students. And also like there, there are students who I've talked with in the past. So I'm like, you know what? It's not worth it right now. Even uh, actually my own child right now, he is in community college. Um, and uh, the reason for it is because he was like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't, I don't, he's like, I don't want to go to George Fox. Um, you know, both my parents work there. I'm not, you know, I want to get away for a little bit. 
but also <laughs> like, I don't know what I want to do. And so does it make more sense to like spend a lot of money at a certain place or to spend a little bit of money? And so he's, he's at community college right now um, doing, uh, doing college, but also I think smartly like not taking on debt in order to like do things that um, he doesn't know what the end result is going to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 I I'm the oldest of five and my youngest sister is the only one who did that. Um, like all, you know, the other four of us all just went straight to a college and, and were there and graduated. And she was the youngest one was the one who like went to a community college for a year or two and got some cheaper credits and then transferred somewhere else. And you know, now hindsight, 2020, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, you were the smartest one yeah. out of all of us. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, college is, college is important, but it's not like the end all be all mm-hmm. either. Um, you know, we really love getting to walk alongside of students, but I, but there are places where they can get that, that mentoring as well. The, the local church, um, other like nonprofits, organizations, you know, places of employment that can, they can be, you know, really helpful in terms of helping guide, you know, future steps when, when you're trying to figure that out. So I love it here at Fox. I love the work we get to do. I think we're in a good space and also like, you know, everyone's story and situation is unique. And so. Nice. Well, I don't have anything else. Austin, do you have anything? I'm good. Well, thanks for taking the time, Jamie. Yeah. Thank you. Enjoy. Uh, your last weekend, I guess, of, of time off before you get back into the swing of things. Here. Yeah. Unfortunately we, there's programming happening this weekend. So <laughs> work a little bit, but, but it's all good. There you go. You have the countdown to spring break or something. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for joining us all right, guys. Thank you so much. See ya. Yeah. Man. Quite a few times during that, I was just like getting thrown back into the dorm days like memories and things like that it was kind of weird to weird to think about yeah i mean it's been like sometimes <laughs> i forget i'm like oh it's been 10 years wow yeah yep. but i mean a lot of the same things it feels feels similar and i think that's what i think something that i don't know as i've been just kind of like listening just thinking about how i think sometimes there's a we think that you know each generation is so much more different right like you know that you know every every young you know the new generations like this but i think something that it's good to remember is just people are people and that that age range like there's patterns to it that you know you don't have to i mean there's nothing new under the sun right mm-hmm. and like the like that feeling of wanting to be authentic or yeah. you know being opinionated because you think you know everything like you know those or 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 likewise wrestling with your doubts because you realize that you don't know anything Mm -hmm. and like all of those things like felt so familiar to me and being like oh yeah i think that's just like part of you know emerging into adulthood and how yeah i think i'm glad that jamie was on to come talk about it because i know that there's people in the early meeting who are you know really wrestling with like how do we engage young people and what new strategies do we use and and just realizing like there's probably not a lot of new strategies as much as it is like just doing the same old thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and- well, yeah. And it, and it is, it can be, and it, I hear this a lot from people. Like when I try to get people to volunteer to come help at youth group, sometimes, you know, they're like, 
junior hires are scary or or high schoolers are scary and i'm i'm sure people would say the same thing about 21 year olds 21 year olds are scary but you know i think it's part of it is just your most people older people probably are not interacting with 18 21 year olds on a regular basis like jamie yeah. you know he's saying like i'm around them uh, all the time you know they live here I, i'm i live here i interact with this age group almost exclusively so you you get to know what they're like and what their interests are and what they're doing and what the questions are asking like you just said it's kind of a universal thing that people in that age group are questioning some of these things and whatever but i guess the further you get removed from it you probably just kind of forget that and then you randomly interact with a 21 year old one day and they say something and you're like that is so far off base or that's a little weird but you know you may just forget that's what it's like to be 21 years old <laughs> yeah yeah yep so yeah i don't know well thank you for tuning in to the uh february february yeah february edition of the northwest yearly meeting podcast and we'll be looking forward to having being in your feed and like and subscribe uh leave a review review. oh yeah next person who leaves a review we should try to somehow reach out to them and give them a prize or something so i know we haven't had any new reviews in a while so i'll know when there's a new one so okay so if there's a new one i mean i guess if your username is like big jim 2748 i won't know who that is but if your username is you know something relatively understandable we can try to figure out who you are (laughs) but yeah well we'll see you next month see ya once again thank you for listening if you enjoyed today's episode be sure to share it with others please rate and review the podcast so others can find it contact the office of northwest yearly meeting if you would like to be on the next episode god bless you